This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. So welcome everyone to Standard Orbit, Track FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Kay Shaw. And I am Ken Tripp. Zach Moore is doing some dubbing for the Green Berets and we wish him well. And we wish all of our friends and listeners in Texas the best as they continue to be battered by the remnants of Hurricane Harvey. But at the beginning of the show, you heard the lovely voice of Kay Shaw, one of the hosts of To The Journey. She kicked us off this week. And welcome, Kate, to your first visit to Standard Orbit. It's really great to have you aboard. Thanks, Ken. Yeah, it's great to be here, actually. Um, I've, I've been looking forward to this. We, talk, we talked about possibly doing this quite a while ago, and I've been, I've been looking forward to it. So, yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, me too. I, and I'm so happy for the relaunch and success of To The Journey. And you know, one of the reasons I, I asked you to, to come aboard is through those conversations and that you were looking at all the TOS episodes, and I guess you've seen the movies before, but the TSO episodes for the first time. And for me, as a person who grew up with the original cast, it's really interesting to find, you know, um, how someone goes from being, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, I was a mega huge Star Trek fan, going back to the beginning, especially if you've come in in the middle. So tell me a little bit, how did, how did you get into Star Trek? What was your... the your your entryway into the ser- into the show. So my first entry into Star Trek was through Next Gen. Mm-hmm. So we got a little bit later on. We got we got Next Gen in the UK. It was about three years later than than you guys over there in the US. So it was about nineteen ninety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was eight about eight then. Um, and I started watching it with my my brother and my dad. So that's how I got into it. I remember there being a really big. Full page spread in the in the TV Times of with Farpoint Station and sort of the article when they launched it all. So okay, so that that's how that's how I got into it. Yeah, then. and that that would be about right for boy. I'm I'm talking to another puppy. I can't win. <laughs> Everybody's so young. Anyway, that that that's awesome. No, that's that's a that I think that most of the people that I speak to and Zach, one of them, he got in the same way and then just kind of. I kind of fell backwards, so so that's pretty cool. And then, did you get hooked right into DS Nine and and to uh, Voyager as well, or did things um, go? Back I and didn't forth? actually. I didn't really. No, I um I watched all the way through Next Gen, and I was a really diehard fan as a kid. You know, mm-hmm. me and my brother had sort of like the phasers and the action figures, and 
my mum knitted us like Star Trek jumpers with like the computer, the little communicator on and everything. You know, we were we were dead into it. You know, that was that was my thing when I was a kid. But I'm not really quite sure what happened. Um, I think I got into boy bands when I was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I grew out of it. Um, I just I, I don't know. I, I wavered away from it a bit when I was a teenager. I didn't. I caught a little bit of next of uh, DS9 when that first came on. I remember having a friend at school that was really into DS9, and I used to argue about her about how it was rubbish and it couldn't be possibly be as good as Next Gen, and I was never going to watch it. So that's quite amusing. Isn't that funny? And then for yeah, and then Voyager came out around about the time when I first went to university. So I think at that time, I didn't really watch an awful lot of anything because university and all the stuff that you get up to when you're there so tv kind of i didn't really watch very much at all then i see and then circled back into it as time allowed huh yeah yeah i did um i was only vaguely aware of enterprise when that first came out and i never seen any of that in first run at all um but yeah i'm not even really sure what happened i think it was sort of around the time when streaming started to be a thing i see um, and I had Netflix and Amazon Prime Video. We didn't have Star Trek on Netflix at the time, but on Amazon Prime, um, Voyager came up on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going, I was going through a bit of a tough time. This is kind of going back to some stuff we were talking about before the show, when we were talking about how you know Star Trek's done an awful lot for people at certain times in their life. But yeah, I was going through a bit of a tough time with personal stuff, and I started watching Voyager, and I just instantly. It, it instantly clicked for me. Like I just all that love that I had for Star Trek when I was a kid, it all came back. You know, I just I remembered how it used to feel when I watched Next Gen for the first time, and it just you know I really that show got me through. Really, yeah. I don't know what I would have done without Voyager when it was there at the time. So I think even though I acknowledge you know its faults mm-hmm. and the fact that it's not a lot of people's favourites for valid reason, and you know there were issues with the show. I think for me, it's just such a personal connection. Mm-hmm with it and that, and that's why it means a lot to me uh, definitely it's it is remarkable how many people you talk to that have come into this fandom and have have the same story it doesn't matter with which series or in my mm-hmm. case movie that that you glom onto and then that pulls you in and then eventually you get through the whole mosaic of all these different mm-hmm. shows and you know as we were saying off mic before one of the things that that pulled me into voyager was the To The Journey podcast. I mean, I had seen bits and pieces of it, but like you, life gets in the way, and uh, you, you, yeah. you go on and things, but I was huge original series and movies and loved TNG, watched a lot of D Space Nine. By the time Voyager came around, life was just too busy, uh, Enterprise the same, mm-hmm. but I think when time allotted and, and there were periods, I think recently when I was just going through crazy stress, I started, that's where I found podcasting, listening to it. And then started yeah. catching up all that. So it's it's kind of neat. And then it's because it's kind of like um, being reintroduced to something you like in a different forum. But I can 100% appreciate why Voyager, I'm sorry, <laughs> why Voyager means so much to you because I get it. And I think there's probably 100% of the audience that would align with that as well. So that's neat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then I mean after that as well, you know, once I'd watched through Voyager, just all all that love for for Trek coming back again, I then went and just binged my way through absolutely everything that I could find. So yeah, and now look at you, you're a big podcasting star with millions of fans around the world, right? 
<laughs> it is kind of funny how this whole thing comes about for all of us. But anyway, it's it's, yeah. it's a great story. So one of the things, as as a fan of your show and listening to you and, and, and loving the humor and the chemistry that you have, when you started saying, oh, yeah, and seeing on, on the Babel conference that you had been watching for the first time TOS, well, that definitely piqued my mm-hmm. interest. And I say, okay, so how does one view that show having seen everything else, you know, and we're talking about something that's 50 years old, and, you know, does it, does it resonate? What was your, you know, when you started watching the first few episodes, and I'm guessing, did you watch them in chronological order? Did I say that correct? Chronological order? I'm not quite sure because I'm quite confused about what chronological order actually means because I think there's various different orders out there, but I watched them in the order that they are on Netflix because okay. otherwise I would have got confused. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what I meant. Yeah, so, so essentially yeah. they, from, from episode one on, regardless if they were the first one made. So I'm just curious, yeah. what, you know, after you got through the, the first few shows, which were some pretty, pretty good episodes, you know, where no, one has gone, where no man has gone before and others, what was your, what was your first reaction? Uh, as you as you came away from from this this relaunch well it's quite interesting actually because it did take me a few attempts to get going with it i i watched the first couple of episodes a few times actually and i just i could i could see stuff in there that i could recognize and relate to but for some reason it just didn't instantly click with me in the same way as all the others did mm-hmm. And I sort of, I had a few attempts to start watching it and then left it for a little while and came back. And eventually, you know, when I sort of started listening to, to Mission Log and listening along, along with those guys, I kind of, I, I started to, you know, I, I don't want to say I forced myself through them to start with, but I think I probably did a little bit, you know, because I really did find it a little bit, not not because necessarily the show was dated or it looked dated or anything like that but just because I think the style of the storytelling and the way that things are paced is somewhat different to what I'm used to and I think sure. it just took me a while to get used to that um so yeah it took me a little while but once I started getting into it I was actually really really surprised by how much I enjoyed it I thought originally when I thought right I'm going to watch the original series I thought right what I'm going to do is I'm going to watch it through just so that I can say that I've seen it and then I'll probably never watch it again <laughs> And and I and I I couldn't have been more wrong about how I sort of came out of it. I was actually really surprised by how much as, as I sort of carried on watching through it and sort of listening to other people around the network talking about it, how much I started really getting into it. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised. Oh, that's neat. It's and I completely understand. Even for someone, I think that's been, you know, you know, for me, I've I can't tell you how many times I've seen it because it was in syndication when I was growing up. So. You know, and they weren't usually in order. They were all over the map, and right, yeah. And at times, it you know, they're just like Voyager, just like TNG. There's good and bad. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. You look back nostalgically at it, and there's some landmark episodes, no doubt. And there's some where there's just yeah, it's just okay. But you know, Star Trek's like pizza when it's when it's good, it's great. When it's bad, it's still pretty good. So you work your way through it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one yeah. of those things. So I completely understand what you're saying because it is tough. Did you did you watch the remastered on Netflix? You know, at least a yes, updated effects. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah, that must be helpful. I would think a bit. I don't know if you've seen what they originally looked like, but no, I haven't. And I actually think the next time that I watch it, I'm going to go back and watch like the DVD versions before the remaster and kind of 
try and see what it looked like originally. Mm. That'll probably be a bit odd doing it. I've done it all backwards, so it's probably the right way around, really. (laughs) Yes, well, you're consistent. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a good thing. And I think, you know, I'm one of those folks, you know, there's a lot of um, traditionalists out there, right? And and you hear James Colley and others that, that, that want the aesthetics of, that that old program to kind of you know be in vogue and 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 to carry on and it seems funny that we've had all these modern shows you know like Voyager Enterprise the Beyond movie just came out you know last year and yeah. and they've updated it and now here comes Discovery and I'm hearing people say yeah but it it doesn't look you know it it's got to be folding into what it looked like when when Kirkship was was on, and I was like, that that would never never work. I um I, I just find it kind of odd that people think along those terms. They're not wrong. It's just a different viewpoint, you know. Yeah, I think I do find that odd as well, purely because of the fact that this isn't the first time we've gone back from Kirk. If it was, I could kind of understand it a little bit more. But we've already seen Enterprise, which is a lot longer before Kirk, and. You can see how much more the tech is up to date compared to now in Enterprise than it is compared to the original series. And yet, I didn't really have a problem with that. I didn't find that difficult. I didn't Yeah. I didn't really have an issue with that when I went back to watch the original series, how, how much older it looked than Enterprise, even though it's set later, obviously, because I've watched it all in the wrong order. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. But yeah, so I don't really get that. I, I could if it was the first time we'd gone back, but because it isn't, I don't really understand that. Sure, sure. It doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, and, and when they did In a Mirror Darkly, I think they, they pulled it off as best as they could. But to me, it was like, eh, it really doesn't, it doesn't, it wasn't an upgrade. I didn't feel like they were going to a futuristic ship, even though they talked about how much more powerful it was. But I digress, mm-hmm. and we went on a tangent, because that's what we do at Standard Orbit, right? We have good times yeah. with these things. I'm used to tangents. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's uh, that's what we're known for anyway. And I think we've gotten to the point where we're almost ready to introduce our tangents even before they begin. So that's uh, that, that's that's quite a trick in of itself. So as you as you've kind of gone through the first few episodes and you finally got into, I guess, a rhythm for lack of a better term, and started yeah. watching them. And believe me, Kay, this is no contest as to what you remember or anything. I'm curious as to what are the things that stood out to you and that you started to see what were synergistic with the shows that you you watched as you were growing up? I think probably the biggest thing I got out of watching the original series overall is getting to see like the first time we saw this or the first time we saw that. And every time that happened, I was just like, oh, it's the first time we saw a transporter. Oh, it's the first time we saw the Romulans. Oh, it's the first time we saw Spock do a nerve pinch and all that. That was brilliant. That was my favourite thing about watching it. Every time something like that came up, it was just so exciting. I really loved that. That was great. <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah. So, I was. So you get. You get. I didn't even think about that. That's right. It would be um, how things kicked off, and then how they've. I guess they've matured over time. Uh, mm. in in terms of you know the backstories and you know because because TOS went to a certain level of depth but not you know you don't know much about Klingons at all uh, until you get into the movies no. you don't know a tremendous about amount about the Romulans uh, even though they changed their appearance quite a bit in in TNG but it's it is it is interesting I wasn't even thinking about those terms of oh okay this is where this came from or Spock's father from yeah. you know Sarek and all that other stuff so mm-hmm. so okay well that that that's that's pretty cool. yeah no that that was really great and and actually 
in the process of watching it, I was really surprised how much was in there mm-hmm. that, that that came later. I think before I started watching it, obviously I, I'd seen the movie, so I kind of I got sort of the, the stuff that was in there. But when I went back to sort of the 60s stuff and the actual series, I was very surprised by how much of the stuff that we see later is already in there. And like you say, you know, a lot of it is only really seeds of what we get later, but I was surprised by... It's it's all there. I, I, I thought it would be much more like, oh, the idea of what we see later, but then all of the other stuff gets added. But actually, so much of what we see later on is, is, is already in there. It's already there. And yeah. that was great. I loved that. Yeah, it, it was... Uh, you're right about that. It, they, they did plant a lot of seeds. And, it, you know, we, we've done a couple of shows just on Star Trek Three, which... Uh, there are so many things in that movie, and it's it's not it's not considered one of the best or worst. It's considered a good movie, but so many things for all the shows stem from that one movie. It's incredible, and it's it is funny when you go back to the original series and you see the the bits and this and that and so forth, and then how much it it just developed uh, in the other series. It's uh, it's been quite a ride. So you're, you're talking about all the things that you saw from the first things. How about the Star Trek from a philosophical aspect uh, and a lot of the things that, that Roddenberry was trying to convey back in those times? I'm assuming, too, as a, as a student of history, um, obviously the 60s, particularly in the U.S., were pretty tumultuous times. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wish in some ways that I could have watched it with more of an understanding of the original context but obviously I know about the Cold War and other things that were going on at that time and I can kind of see where they've tried to draw those parallels but it's great to see how it you know right from the off Star Trek just challenged it just challenged the way you look at everything and it challenged your thinking and it challenged all of the issues that were going on at the time be it you know a specific thing like the Cold War or be it race or be it, you know, class issues or any of that type of thing. You know, it really just kind of got right to the heart of, of things. And I think the lack of fear of, of doing that is something that really stands out to me. The fact they weren't afraid to go in there and just get on that hot button topic and just really dig in. That's that's brilliant. And and it's carried on all the way through the whole the whole show all the way up to Enterprise and then obviously into the new movies and now beyond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one of the neat things about the original series, you go back 50 years and you realize that uh, you know women weren't allowed in combat or to serve mm. um, on combat vessels or even attend the military academies back then. And there they are on the bridge. Uh, integration was on its way, but we were certainly not an integrated society back then, particularly in certain regions of the U.S., and they took that head on. And then we had Vietnam going on at that time. And, you know, yes, there, was, there was a lot of um, references to that, you know, and the Omega Glory and others. And, and the whole risk of, you know, combating the domino effect or also just, you know, should it be even something we should be engaged in? So you're right. And then by the time TNG and all the other shows came out, I mean, look at the progress that was made in the 20 years since the show went off the air was yeah. amazing and it was almost a foretelling uh, so from a societal aspect it was one thing and then from a technology aspect it was another uh, because you know flip phones and other things started <laughs> coming around and and it, yeah. uh, and voice activated computers and things it was it was funny and then TNG and Voyager and, and DS9 carried that on uh, instead yeah. of 
instead of equal rights and women's rights and civil rights and all that stuff, it became more about um, you know ensuring that uh, equal rights and, and and not you know getting rid of a homophobic society and, and opening the doors yeah. in other ways. And you know you're right. It did it tend it did transgress it did. Uh, it did improve and it did it did evolve. That was the word I was looking for. All these yeah. episodes did evolve and into many aspects where I think at some point Star Trek started to slow down and other shows started picking up. But I think society in general mm. was slow progression, slow progression, and then like a rocket, everything kind of changed quickly. So it was it's yeah. it was kind of fun to to watch that. And when you go back and you realize how things were when that show was on, it was very different, right? Because when um when Voyager had the first female captain, actually the first female captain was in Star Trek IV, but she was only on for 27 seconds mm. or whatever, but she was there. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the Navy, others had evolved well beyond that. There were plenty of female captains by the time Voyager came on. So it wasn't that groundbreaking from a societal, but it was for television. And that was that was pretty yeah. neat too, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And And I've heard, you know, quite a bit about how that was received or not well received from from some quarters at the time when when Janeway was put in there yeah definitely but i think it's it's great to see that you know star trek right from the off always pushed the envelope and they it's never stopped doing that mm-hmm. and i know there are certain things where people sort of say oh i wish they'd done more on a certain topic or i wish they'd put in a gay character sooner and and, and all that type of thing like enterprise maybe might have been the right time for that rather than obviously now in discovery but I think for the majority of issues, they've really been at the forefront and sort of pushed that forward and been the first or one of the first to to do pretty much everything. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It is. It, I I agree with that, and and I think that you know there there comes a point too where it's like okay, you're trying to get that that right balance of entertainment and trying to send a message and all those things. Mm. And you know, if if you push too hard, um, it's like some people need kind of a an awakening and a slow approach to come to an understanding. Yeah. And other people, you need to whack over the head with a sledgehammer and go, wake up. <laughs> bonk, bonk on the head. <laughs> and, each, and each time it's always, it's always different. So I think, I think like you said, it's, it's been a nice, it's been a nice progression for the show. Always leading from the front. Not perfect, but leading yeah. from the front in most cases. Yeah. Okay. So as we, as we talked about the societal, we talked a, a little bit um, about the, the first times. Uh, one of the things I had seen on YouTube, I don't know if you ever saw it, but this guy took an episode, maybe about a minute or two, and he was able to overlay uh, Captain Kirk on the original bridge, and it made it look like he was on the bridge around the motion picture time frame. Have you ever seen that? Oh, no, I haven't. Yeah, I, I, I haven't. That sounds cool. Yeah, I, I always wondered what the... Um, I have no idea what these things would cost or how much it would work. But for somebody that's looked back and, and it looks like you, you you got it, right? You got the stories. You got what they were trying to push. If they were trying to revitalize it versus, you know, if you got Discovery going, you got the movies going, but you want to keep interest in Star Trek and make it appealing again. I wonder if that would be something that could, I don't know, get the get the old series back into the mainstream again. Any thoughts on that? If they were to sort of edit the edit the backgrounds to make them look more modern, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Wow, I don't really know how I'd feel about that. I guess you'd have to see it and then see whether you thought it worked or not. But I I do get what you're saying because I think some of what happens in the original series firmly dates it in the 60s in in terms of how things are 
played out. But certainly other parts of it, it could be happening now. It, you know, they that, that could be made today in, in certain parts of it. Some of the issues that they cover and some of the ways that they, they play that off, definitely. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see it. But I don't know whether it would work or not until I saw it, I suppose. I guess because I, I think back, I, um, I don't know of anything else that I watch, in, including movies. It gets tougher and tougher as time goes by to go back and watch something from... 1960-something or the 70s, unless it's, mm. it's a period piece. You know, if it's, if it's a movie made in the 60s about World War II, it's kind of easy to, to move yeah. into that, right? But it, it's a lot harder when you're watching, uh, I'm trying to think of a movie. I don't know why this is in my head, but like Dirty Harry, 1970, San Francisco, <laughs> yeah. right? It's, you know, it's just kind of hard. Uh, <laughs> the cars, mm. the, the conversations, the things that were going, it, it just doesn't quite, it doesn't quite fit. But at any rate, it's it's one of those things where I can't think of another TV series that I would ever go back and really watch much that from that era just because it has become so dated. And, of course, I want the show to be as fresh as possible because I'm a big fan and I'm, I'm not a traditionalist at all. So if they wanted to do something like that, I'd be like, yeah, do it. Let's see if it works, you know. just to- Yeah, yeah, sure. And, I mean, I guess that... I don't really think that factored too much into my initial sort of issues with starting to watch the original series because I don't think that really bothered me too much because mm-hmm. obviously it does look dated and it looks very boxy and, and, and the sets kind of, you know, they don't look very modern because it was the 60s and we didn't have the ability to do that back in the 60s. But I think it bothered me less than I thought it would. Yeah, that's And actually, I think, yeah, and actually I think with the remaster... I was surprised how good they made it look. And I think having watched it on the remaster, I think was the right thing for me to do. Mm-hmm. I think if I tried to watch the absolute original in standard definition with, you know, all of the original effects and everything, I think I probably would have struggled with it more. But now I would have less of an issue with going back and doing that because I've got more of an attachment to it. Sure, sure. So if it gets people to watch it, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah, You just wonder if there's there's new things to do with old shows. I mean... You know, it all comes down to what the studio is willing to spend and how much profit they could make out of it. And, you know, they're not going to put, you know, it's it's like trying to get DS9 and, and Voyager in HD, right? Or Blu-ray. It's just, mm. you know, they're like, eh, it's the, it, there's no cost benefit to yeah. it, you know? So yeah, I, I do understand. So, you know, we, we, we talked a lot about, you know, kind of the synergies, the technology and the things that work. What were some of the things that didn't work as well for you? Um... I I think it's probably some of the same things that don't work for me in the rest of Star Trek. Okay. Which is the the magic reset button that we talk about all of the time <laughs> onto the journey. I I there were times when I just thought, oh, I, re- I really wished we could have seen some more consequences of that. You know, I really wish we could have seen that played out over more than just you know the last few minutes of the episode after whatever it is that's happened. I'm I'm thinking about a few things now, like. I think the episode's called, is it Operation Annihilate? The one where Kirk's nephew dies and, and we don't ever really get to see any fallout of that. Um, yeah. And also in another episode, actually, that I really, really loved, um, I think it's the Paradise Syndrome, which is the one where Kirk's on this Native American planet and he forgets who he is and he ends right. up getting married and, and all the rest of it. I loved that episode. That was actually one of my favourites. Um, but again, obviously, at the end, we see his wife and child die and we don't really get to see the consequences of that. So 
that that's kind of probably my biggest thing. But that's not really any different to how I feel about Voyager a lot of the time or or TNG. I think less so with Deep Space Nine and Enterprise because we do see a bit more ongoing continuity with those. So that's probably my biggest thing. And then also, I think the same idea was repeated a few times and and that kind of... I don't know. They tried to do the same thing in a different way. And I don't know whether that was exacerbated because of the fact that I watched... Not so much with season one because I watched that over a longer period of time. But when it got when I started getting really into it in like season two and three, I was watching it sort of one or two episodes a day so I don't know whether like watching it so quickly kind of exacerbated the fact that you're like didn't we just do this like five episodes ago (laughs) that was it that was a big theme and and it was a lot in in TNG as well um the fear of technology there was a real fear of it and in automation and and of course in the original series I mean how many times does a a supercomputer malfunction that's running everything or controlling yeah. a society and, and all those things. And it's it's actually funny because it's it's much more prevalent and relevant today than it ever was during the sixties. And probably more so than it was in the late seventies and the early nineties with, with TNG, but you would you would see that. And because I would always laugh when um on TNG, I think it was a booby trap when they're when the captain's navigating the ship out, he's like, you know, the computer couldn't figure it out, but the people could. And it's like, that yeah. just is so wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, or when you're when you're traveling at speeds we cannot even comprehend and they give the order to stop just before they hit the planet. And you go, no, that wouldn't work that way. But anyway. No, no, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> all the little things that, that, that Star Trek has, the little idiosyncrasies that we we can kind of laugh and wink at and... uh yeah. yeah, and I think that's 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 a very accurate criticism. They, you know, we we've talked about it even when they were making the other series. When you were making twenty four to twenty six episodes a year, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, the 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 the, the the writers get a little stale. It's tough to come up with new concepts, you know, and they just kind of oh, okay, you know, pull this out. Oh, this 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 trope worked, and and they make yeah. a run at it. So yeah, that, I think those are very accurate yeah. and good criticisms. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think probably, you know, the, the the other couple of things was that sometimes I found that certain of the characters, not so much with Kirk and Spock and sort of the, the ones that get the most airtime, but with the sort of less used main characters, sometimes that you just feel like they made them into what they needed them to be for that week. Yeah. I, I felt like that sometimes. It's like, oh, this week we need Scotty to hate women or be afraid of women, or this week we sure. need you know, check off to do whatever. And that, I I didn't mind it too much, but occasionally that would sort of make me go, well, we've never heard about this before. And then like the week after, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. There was there was definitely, I think it was two things. Uh, back in the 60s, everything was very episodic. And yeah. you had the main players, and those were the big three who got paid the big bucks. And the rest were literally just, yeah. just a scotch above guest stars. You know, they were there consistently and they had their contracts and so forth, but they could come, they could go. They weren't in every episode in the same station. People moved around all the Mm. time. And I think the other piece of it was if it lasted beyond three seasons, they probably would have had to have developed those characters more because you would have been running out of ideas because you can do a lot more Mm -hmm. with seven than you can do with three. Absolutely. And I think they realized that very quick after the Next Generation launched, they obviously had had a much more well-rounded cast and they were they were included more 
and and things kind of centered around, you know, Data, Picard, and and Riker for the most part. And then little by little, the other ones would would get their spots. And then it became, as the years went on, they all had m- many episodes about their own background. And I think that was yeah, something yeah. that wasn't really allowed to develop in TOS. And nor at that time was sure. that popular, you know. So that is a, I think, a victim of the times. And I always felt bad for the um, the supporting cast of the of the original series because, really, outside of the big three, the rest of them really never did much else. You know, no. they have lived off, thank God, uh, this fandom where other people that have mm. been in similar roles in other TV shows have just kind of gone off. Hopefully, successful in other yeah. careers, but you know, never to be kind of heard from again. And that's the uniqueness about Star Trek by itself. You know. Yeah, yeah. But it is nice, I think, to see that the majority of them do get a lot more to do in the movies. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and, and I like that. I think there are quite a few. You, you can see straight away, as soon as you start watching the movies, especially once you get into sort of the later ones, once you start getting sort of Voyage Home onwards, how much TV and films moved on, really, from the 60s and how much it's like, well, we're telling stories in a different way now. That, that's a piece of it. You know what? The other piece of it was um, when Star Trek conventions really started to roll, these folks were always there and the fans fell in love with them because yeah. they are just great people. Uh, and I remember, you know, I've been going to conventions since 81, 82, something like that. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I know. I was born in 82. <laughs> Thanks, Kay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's quite all right. I wouldn't expect you to remember then the conventions from 84. But anyway... Uh, you know, the, these guys would, they would come and, and it was, uh, and the conventions were much bigger back in those days. When it was one show, the conventions were yeah. huge. Thousands and thousands of people. What, what I saw in Las Vegas at the 50th would have been a medium convention when I was growing up. And this was before right. you had all those other shows. And and you had to wait years between movies and everything. It was just a different a different era. But at any rate, a lot of the fans really fell in love, and uh, me included with these folks because they would come out and they'd talk to you about the show and they were talking about things that at that point were eight, nine, ten years old and relive those stories and you wanted them to be successful. And I think at these conventions you had Roddenberry and all these other folks there too. They realized how much the um the cast became a bigger part of the show after the show was over. And and that's I think what drew a lot of the stories to include them more because the fans actually wanted it. And it was nice for the studios to listen because otherwise, I don't think much would have changed. I really don't, you know, if 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 that if that dynamic didn't exist, I have no way of knowing, but that's that's my guess. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm just thinking about sort of some of my favorite moments from some of the movies. I I love the bit in in Star Trek Four when they've got. Ahura and Chekhov on the street. Mm. Oh, the new! Could you tell us where the nuclear vessels are? <laughs> that is a great. I scene. love that movie. Actually, I watched that movie a lot as a kid. That's that's probably the one. I don't know really which of the other movies I'd watched when I was little. I have re- recollections of the sort of campfire scenes from Star Trek Five, and I have some recollections as well of sort of the end scene from The Wrath of Khan uh-huh. with 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 Kirk and Spock there at the end. But the certainly the fourth one, the voyage home, or as we call it in our house, the one with the whales. The one with the whales, yeah, yeah. That that we had taped onto VHS, and I think we wore the VHS out because I I love that movie. We watched that a lot, yeah, a lot when I was little. So that's funny. It, it, that is the 
the only Star Trek movie that I saw opening uh, when I was in the UK. So I remember going wow. to uh, Piccadilly Circus, and we went to a theater there. It was also the first time I had popcorn with sugar. Sweet, sweet popcorn. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, Is that not a thing in the U.S.? No, it's not. It's not. It's, oh, wow. It's salt, okay. salt and butter, and that's it. And then um, We have that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember ordering yeah. one and having a mix of both because they say, oh, it, one always creeps into the other. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny experience. <laughs> but uh, that was in, I was also just amazed, too, at how, how beautiful the theater was uh, downtown, where I, was, I felt like I was going to watch a play, not a movie. It was such a, such a nice spot. I can't remember where it was mm-hmm. now. I just remember going to Piccadilly Circus with... Uh, with a, with a couple of friends from the embassy and and having a great time. Yeah. See, you got my mind going. I <laughs> I, I regress back to back to the UK. Anyway, okay. So out of out of the movies, which which one was your favorite? Was it The Voyage Home? Still. Yeah, that that one is still my favorite, and I think it's just because I I just connected with it so much, and I remembered so much of it when I when I came to rewatch it. I mean, I rewatched all the movies a little while ago and then I've watched them again. I, I actually rewatched them all before I went to see Beyond. Because uh-huh. I, I kind of was just trying to get myself back into like the movie the movie spirit. So I watched myself way through all of those and then also the TNG movies but then and the other Kelvinverse movies before I went to see Beyond. Um and um yeah, that was the first time I'd rewatched them since since seeing them when I was a kid. Um, and yeah, the Star Trek Four is certainly one that held the most memories for me. I think I remembered a lot of it. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I did really remember a lot of it. Um, but I mean, obviously, the Wrath of Khan is great. But I don't know. It, I can see that it's a great movie, but I don't connect with it in quite the same way as I do with that, and with also some of the some of the next gen movies. I do enjoy it. You know what? I think a good place to to kind of wrap things up as we go through this whole mosaic is is what did you think of the JJ films? So I quite enjoyed O Nine when it came mm-hmm. out. Um, I really didn't like Into Darkness. I, I'm really not a big fan of Into Darkness at all for a whole a whole bunch of reasons. But I'm sure they've all been discussed at length. Oh sure, sure. <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. yeah. But I love Beyond. I absolutely love Beyond. And now that was the point where I fell in love with the Kelvin verse actually. Yeah, that, with Beyond. That was a special movie. I, boy, I hope they make another one. Um, I do. And Beyond, while it did well in the box office, it didn't do as well as they wanted it to do. Uh, if if there's a concern now that they'll continue those movies, but boy, I sure hope they do because I, I really enjoy them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And after Beyond, now I'm like, I want to see more. Before Beyond, I was kind of like, well, I'll go and see them if they do them, yeah, but I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm not I, that I bothered, really. A lot of people kind of felt that way. But hey, for, for, for our show, for Standard Orbit, we need these babies to come <laughs> You've got seven years of episodes to play <laughs> with. We've got uh, two and a quarter and uh, two, two and a half years and, and, and then so many movies. So uh, for us, yeah. it's, uh, it's obviously <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And I'm glad that that kind of sits in our domain. But yeah, at any rate, it is, mm. it is fun and it just uh, expands the universe even more. And, um, you know, it, it, there's, there's talk now, too, about those, those two different timelines. I, I'm not a big fan of, of separate timelines at all. I conceptually can't stand even the thought of that. But yeah. Like Jane, it does give me a headache. Yes, yeah, she is so spot on. Gives you a headache. I've got a lot in common with Janeway, by the way. You know, we both love coffee. <laughs> yeah, the hair. I've always got yeah, my coffee. the coffee. It must be a navy thing, I guess. I don't know, but I'm always sipping my coffee, and uh, and and she has a style that I really do appreciate. So I am, I am a fan, and um, 
you know, I, I never looked at her as, yes, I know she was the first female captain, but to me it was like, is she a good commanding officer or not? And she was pretty damn good. That's what I have to say about that. Anyway, um, okay. Any final thoughts, Kay, on your on your voyage back to TOS? Um, just to, just I guess to reiterate, like how surprised I was, how much I enjoyed it, and how I didn't expect to, and how I was just really watching it to begin with as a well because I'm such a big Trekkie and I love all the latest stuff. I've got to watch it just so that I can have all this continuity of all the bits that happened that I don't necessarily know about. And I thought, yeah, I'll just watch through it and then I'll I'll be done. I can put a tick in the box. And I was really, really surprised by how much I enjoyed it. And I'd probably just say to anyone who has had a go at watching it and maybe not really got very far and found it hard going to just really stick with it because I really was surprised. So that's probably my biggest takeaway. And you do just fall in love yeah. with the characters, yeah. really. You, you really do because... That, that's the whole thing for me. You know, I think it's it's where Voyage is really successful and I think it's where the original series is really successful as well. It's it's the characters. And I think if you can get character right, the stories kind of write yeah, themselves. And, 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 you know, and we talked a lot about so. the technology aspects of it. And if you're if you are able to focus on the characters, then the rest of it kind of doesn't mean as much. And I was saying that recently when I was mm. talking about having to make an adjustment after watching the motion picture, which was big and scale and visually beautiful, but not you know, as um, as strong a story to the Wrath of Khan where it's a great story and it's not as big and as visual. And and just understanding and going, you know what, mm. it's about the characters. And um, and that's when I really flipped the switch on the Wrath of Khan and I could say, just don't worry about all the, the flash and the pizzazz. Just enjoy the just enjoy their interactions in the story. And uh, the other thing that, that I really enjoyed about yeah. having you on the show today is for me, being such a fan and, and growing up with it, I love hearing how people get introduced to it, what their thoughts and adventures are as they are, you know, their thoughts and their their feelings towards the new show, watching it for the first time. Because for me, um, it just makes me smile, you know, unless the reaction was, yeah, it sucked. And then I go, no, okay. But <laughs> but in this case, it's, <laughs> it's nice for me to, to kind of see how people uh, view something that to me obviously means a lot. Uh, and all the shows mean a lot. But that one in particular, that's, that's what started it off for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It, it really meant a lot for you to, to Roger up. I know you've got a lot going on in your life and with your show and, and things. So so thank you. That's fine. I've really enjoyed it. It's been really good. It's the first time I've talked about the original series on on air after after watching it. So it's nice to sort of start start dusting that off and well and, and if, talking about it. If we uh, if we come up with a, a concept or an episode or an idea and uh, and you have an interest, I'd love to have you back to talk through maybe something more specific. Yeah, that would be great. I'd really enjoy that. You're always welcome. And thank you. So, okay, where, where can uh, people find you on the interwebs? Uh, well, as you've said before, you can find me on our Voyager show to the journey on the network and um, you can also look me up on Twitter my handle there is Choco Weeble and you can find me in our listeners group the Babel Conference so check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond you'll find us wherever you get your podcast if you're an Apple user get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app be sure to hit the subscribe button that helps us greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show if you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well.
If you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trekfn slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page, or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm or on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm and of course in the Babel Conference. Type Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trekfm and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron on the network on Patreon. If you visit Patreon slash TrekFM, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash TrekFM, you'll find the current goals and different milestone contributions along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details on patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our great associate producers for Standard Orbit. We have Renee Roberts, Norman Lau, Aaron Harvey, Tim Robertson, Nick Anastasio, Richard Marquez, and Corey Elrod. Yes, thank you guys so much for your support for both Standard Orbit and Trek FM. Uh, so, Ken, if people want to find you out there on the internet, where can they find you? Hey, you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference and engaging people when I when I have the opportunity. You can also find me on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is at Boston SCPO, and we uh, we like to tweet out all our new episode information as soon as we get it, as well as well as our colleagues. So, look for me there. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M O O R E O N Z A C H. And I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Hold On to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman series from the early 2000s. And you can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit. <laughs>